All right. Um, junior high and high schoolers are upstairs. Uh, f- <clears throat> first through sixth graders are out there. <clears throat> All kids five and under back there, or f- yeah, f- five and under back that way. <clears throat> you guys should have notes in your um, in your um, bulletin. So, um, oh, visitors, I forgot visitors. Maxine, introduce your niece. Yay. And, uh, is today Vern's birthday? Okay. Vern is turning 93. Oh 93. 92? 92. All right. What? 92. All right. Any visitors? I'm sorry. Any visitors? Yes. Introduce yourself, if you would. Jim? Jim and Sharon, welcome. Well, did I see somebody else? Okay. Okay, um, last week, what did you put on? The belt of truth. And every weapon is offensive and defensive. Okay, And every battle you face, you will pull out a different truth, a different weapon to use as defense and offense. Today, we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is a good one. This is a good one. I'm going to say things today that you don't hear a lot. It should be preached a lot. Because it's in the Bible. And, um, but it's truth. And I pray it cuts you really good and heals you really good and encourages you really good. So here's the verse. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now last week I highlighted that the word stand is used four times in this passage on spiritual warfare. And that that reminds me of this scripture here. Next to him was Eleazar, son of someone. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. He was left alone. But he stood, but he stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and it froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned. One man took a stand. All the troops deserted. One man stood there and God gave him a victory. 
And then the armies came back. And listen, here's what I want to say to you. If you're called to intercede, stand your ground. If you don't see anything happening, stand your ground. If nothing seems to be shifting, stand your ground. If you teach Sunday school and the kids have been horrible and the parents haven't appreciated you and why aren't other people helping and I'm tired of this. If you're called to teach children, stand your ground. Stand your ground. If you're called to bring a breakthrough in an area of your life, your family's life, and they're not responding and they're being stiff-necked and nobody's listening to you, stand your ground. Because if you stand your ground, they'll eventually come back. The army's returned. Folks, often we get knocked off of our calling so easy because somebody heard us and somebody didn't appreciate us and somebody didn't say the right thing or somebody somebody said the wrong thing or whatever it is. We get knocked off of our calling. If you're called, you are. Whatever you're called to, stand your ground. Pick up your sword again. Pick it up again. And fight the good fight that you're called to fight until the day you breathe your first breath of heaven. Stand your ground. So let's pray. Lord, our nation desperately needs prophets. They need heralders of the truth. And God, we cry out that you would raise up a mighty youth army. That even though the enemy has targeted youth over and over and over to bring them down and taken over so many colleges across America, let there be a glorious rebellion against the powers of darkness and let there be armies of young people, of old people, of middle-aged people, of children that rise up and speak the truth in absolute love with demonstrations of the power of God. Raise up a church glorious without spot and without wrinkle, without hypocrisy Without all the yuck that we've been known for, God, may there be a glorious bride clothed in the beautiful armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, I preached Psalms 23. Verse 3 says this, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Before you can walk righteously, You've got to have God restore you. You've got to be born again. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. And once your soul is restored, then you can follow Him as He leads you to walk upright with Him. First, you must be restored. Then you walk righteously. But there's this beautiful circle, as you're going to see today, As you walk righteously, you get restored more and more. In other words, when you get saved, you don't, bam, become perfect and perfectly healed all at once. You come to him, you get restored, then you begin to walk it out. And as you walk it out, he restores you more and more. He refreshes you more and more. He renews you more and more because we can leave our first love. 
So walking, it's, a, it's a, this beautiful circle. He restores you, you walk righteous. You walk righteous, he heals you more. He refreshes you more. You cannot get restored unless you learn how to walk righteously. So it's, it's both. It's both sides of this. And the Bible says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put it on. And you get it from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not your own righteousness you put on, because that's like filthy rags. You put on the righteousness that he has provided to you and I through faith in Jesus Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You become it. Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. When you accept Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous. More than that, to your account is put righteousness. More than that, you become righteousness. It is put on you. It is inside of you. You become the righteousness of God. I'm saying it this way. There's a positional righteousness, that which Jesus Christ does in us when we surrender our lives. But then the rest of the New Testament also talks about another kind of righteousness, one that we walk out, one that what is put inside of us, we begin to let it take over. And we begin to let the righteousness of Christ permeate our minds, our thoughts, our speech, our actions, everything about us. So the righteousness doesn't just sit there, it takes over. And we actually begin to walk it out. And so there's practical or progressive righteousness that never adds to the righteousness of Christ, never adds to it. You can't improve on the holiness of God. I told the first service, if I ever tell you to be more holy, you can slap me. Because that's false. You cannot be any more holy than Christ has already made you. But if I encourage you to walk in holiness, that you can do. Don't slap me over that one. Okay? But if I ever tell you to be holy, you're already holy if you're in Christ Jesus. But something arose in the church in the first century. It was Gnosticism. And Gnosticism said that Your flesh was utterly corrupt, and it didn't matter what your flesh did because your spirit was holy. So you could do whatever you wanted with your body because it was already corrupt and there was no redeeming your body, which is not true, okay? But but your spirit would stay just beautiful, pure. So John deals with this in two places. He's going to tell us this in 1 John. If... You know that he is righteous. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That's in the Bible. It's right there. Okay, now we know that we're made righteous by Jesus. So what is John saying? John is saying the proof that you've been made righteous by Jesus is that you actually walk it out. That's what he says. Everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. If you didn't get it the first time, let me give it to you again. 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. People were getting deceived by this thinking. 
Let no one deceive you. So he makes it real clear. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Does practicing righteousness make you righteous? No. Practicing righteousness is proof of the righteousness that was given to you and I, just as he is righteous. Is that clear? Everybody get that? All right. See, it's, it says both things in the Bible. It says you're, you're righteous. And then it tells you walk it out. And walking it out is proof that you were made righteous. You could practice righteousness and go to hell. Because you have to have his righteousness given to you. But if you don't practice righteousness, John is saying you're not saved. All right, if you're not practicing it, I'm going to explain this a little bit more. We all have seasons where we may get stuck or get stupid. All right? But as a lifestyle, we practice righteousness. If you are saved, you cannot be a successful sinner. Yay! Because the seed of Christ inside of you chokes that out. And because the new nature begins to crush the old nature. Yep, you're just a failure in regards to being a successful sinner. I once dealt with a man who had practiced adultery for 20 years. He practiced it while being married. And he called himself a Christian and he went to church. My goal with that man was to get him saved. Because what John said is, he who practices righteousness is righteous. He's walked it out. What he had was a form with no power. Christ is power. And there is forms of Christianity that have no power. It's not Christianity. Because the power of Christ, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you and I free. You can sin as a believer, but you can't live in sin for very long because the seed of God within you chokes out any attempt at living successfully in sin very long. I'm going to show this to you in the Word right now. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Listen, I don't care what people preach. If it contradicts that, I believe that. That. Okay. I hear a lot of soft peddling of the gospel on the airways. It's, it's false. A person that says, I'm a believer in Jesus, but doesn't follow his commands is a liar. Plain and simple. John's going to repeat this over and over. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. You become more and more loving as you obey God. Obedience should not make you more legalistic. It should make you more loving. And if, and if obeying God makes you more legalistic, you, something's twisted on the inside. Because it should make you more loving. This is how we know we are in him. Hey, how? Tell us, tell us. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. 
How do you know if you're saved? This is how you know you're saved. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Well, I know I'm saved because I feel it in my heart. No, whoever, whoever claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ must walk as Jesus walked. Now, we don't do it perfectly. We may blow it from time to time, but we don't live there. We don't live there, and we find ourselves changing from year to year. Never compare yourself from week to week. Bad idea, okay? He changes us over seasons, years, okay? His process inside of us. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. There's a lot of Christian hatred out there. It's the ugliest stuff I've ever seen. Christians hating other Christians. John says that person's in the darkness. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Well, we're all just weak and we all have our frailties. You hear that kind of talk. John is very blunt. Christ in you changes you. And if it doesn't change you, you better get Christ in you. It's not by trying harder. It's by getting Christ in you and his grace upon you that begins to transform us from the inside out. No one who's born of God will continue to sin. Yay! Because God's seed remains in him. He can't go on sinning because he's been born of God. Now that's just good news. That's not to make us feel guilty and condemned. It's just good news. Christ in you changes you and I. And we let go of things that used to grip us. This is how we know we are the children of God. He t- He's very repetitious. He's really battling this thing. Who the children of God are and the children of the devil on. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Nor is anyone who does not love his brother. He gives us two things right there. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. These are all different scriptures, right? You're seeing the heading. It sounds like I'm saying the same thing over because he is. The one who was born of God keeps him safe. And the evil one cannot harm him. I fear that there will be millions of people on judgment day. Jesus said many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all this in your name? Depart from me, you who practice unrighteousness. John said, he who practices righteousness. So, my righteousness is his filthy rags. But once he applies it to me, he makes me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then my walking out, what he put inside of me, is proof of the transaction. You know, you go to the bank and you get the proof of the transaction. You walking righteously is proof of the transaction that Christ did in your heart. Of his righteousness being given to me. Think of this. Feeding the poor without righteousness on you means nothing. It means nothing. But feeding the poor with his righteousness on you smells beautiful to God. Smells beautiful to him. Doing acts to be righteous is form, is empty, is powerless. Doing acts from 
the finished work is eternal, is rewarding, is sweet-smelling to the Lord. Working for God's love is pointless. Working from God's love is how we're supposed to live. From his love, so touching us. Your righteous living adds nothing to his righteousness already on you. It adds his righteousness on you is perfect. It's complete. It can't be improved upon. It's simply proof of the power of his righteousness. That's all it is. Your righteous living is simply proof of his power on your life. His righteousness is altogether perfect and complete. The evidence of you becoming the righteousness of God is simply righteous living. Here's what it is. What is in you takes over. And you practice it if it's in you. Titus 1.16, they profess to know him. They said, I'm a Christian. I love God. They profess, they profess, I love God. But in works, they deny that that transaction took place. Their works deny it. Their speech, oh yeah, everybody's, isn't it? About 80% of Americans are Christians. Speech, but works, deeds, deny He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who practices righteousness doesn't make you righteous. It's simply the result of him giving it to you. You guys got this, right? It's in your brain. Now, I believe the enemy has a whole host of demons that are assigned to people for one purpose. To make them feel or think they're saved when they're not. I believe that is one of the greatest deception that rests all over the planet, certainly in America, this deception, it comes over the airways, it can come in movies where people feel like or think they're saved when they're not because they're good people. They're good people. And here's how demons do this, by giving false assurance, a false inner witness, and false doctrines to accommodate their lack of righteous living. Those three things demons work hard at, and you've got to fight them. And there are parents. You, I've heard parents, their kids, their kids don't know God. Their kids aren't walking with God, and they'll say, oh, my, 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 they have a heart for God. And what that does is it lulls you to sleep instead of sounds the alarm to battle. And parents, we need to be sound to the alarm. When our kids aren't walking righteous, it's because the righteousness isn't in there. Okay? And I'm not talking about a little season of spirits of rebellion, but I'm saying as a lifestyle. Or it could be a mate, or it could be a sister, or a brother, or a fellow worker who calls themselves a Christian, but they don't walk it out. And they have demons that are lying to them, that are giving them false assurance, a false inner witness, and there's even false doctrines you can find on the airways that will cause them to feel like they're totally good. You got to battle that. You got to fight that. You got to pray that God lets beautiful, wonderful, Holy Spirit conviction to convict us of sin, of His righteousness, or of His judgment that will come if we don't turn to Him. And so this, this is a battle we must war for. There are people in every church around the valley that think they're saved, but they don't have evidence of it. You'll know them by fruit the fruit is evidence of the inner workings of christ and there are thousands more out living outside of even church fellowship and they all believe they're okay because they're good people and they're not near as bad as people on the news folks christ came because we needed a savior 
my goodness or your goodness or me being better than anyone else will never save anybody. It's Christ's goodness applied to me. So let's finally talk about putting on the breastplate, shall we? If you've truly given your life to Jesus, you've asked him into your life, you've received the Holy Spirit, you are clothed in the righteousness of God. And the righteous, it's a breastplate, it's over your heart. It's over the most important organs for you to survive, your lungs, your heart, your intestines. The breastplate was to go over this because you could take a sword wound to your arm probably survive. John Wayne took at least 100 bullet shots in his arms in his career, and he, he died of cancer. It wasn't a gunshot wound. Okay, so you can, you can take injury to your, to your, but you get injured in here. So the breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness, knowing the finished work of Christ, knowing you're righteous in him, that protects your heart. And if your heart doesn't condemn you, we have confidence with God. We'll look at that in a minute. But our hearts must be protected because our hearts have to know we're clothed in the righteousness of God or you will live by guilt and you will live by legalism and you will live to earn love instead of living from love. And, and you'll live with shame if you don't learn to get the breastplate on and keep it on. Uh, you, you will live a, a subnormal, guilt-ridden Christian life. And so righteousness protects your heart, right? His righteousness and you living it out protects your heart, knowing that you're righteous, no matter how ugly or sin filled your past was, is the most powerful deterrent to the lies of condemnation. Romans eight, one, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. Let's just face some things. None of us live perfect. None of us live perfect. We all sin from time to time. And when I compare myself to Jesus or when I compare myself to some saints whose autobiographies I've read, I can feel pretty yucky about me. My attitude at times, selfishness, I was rude, okay, I didn't, I didn't hear the Holy Spirit telling me to help this person. I show irritation. And if I am aware of that, I'm going to hold myself back from God. Because I, I need to pay for my sin for a while. I, I, there's this separation between me and God because I... I wasn't that good yesterday, and I blew it this way, and you know I was irritated here, and I, my voice sounded this way when I talked to Cheryl, and and if I if I live in the awareness of that, I'm going to push away. But if I know, as I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, forgive me of of all unrighteousness, if I know that I'm clothed in this thing at all time, I can come all the time. I can come boldly all the time. I can come with confidence all the time. I can hear from it at all times because I don't have to earn hearing from him. I don't have to earn gifts because I've done all these things. I'm actually already there. I'm already clothed. I'm already righteous. I'm already his mouthpiece. I'm already a minister of his because I always wear my breastplate, even though sometimes I... 
act outside of it. Oh, you got to get this. Guilt and condemnation drives you away from God. That's why you have to put on the breastplate, the awareness of the breastplate of righteousness that's over you and me so that we can come boldly, so that we can ask big, so that we can worship with all our hearts. Because if you're still carrying guilt and you're still carrying condemnation, you're going to stay away. But if you know, yeah, I blew it, but I'm the righteousness of God. He's cleansed me. He's made me wider than snow. No matter what the devil says to you about yourself, even no matter what you've done as a believer, if you've repented it, every single solitary bit of it is covered, washed, cleansed, and removed by the blood. You gotta know this. You gotta know this because you, when you blow it, if you let blowing it drive you from God, drive you into guilt, drive you into hating, self-hatred and unworthy thoughts and unworthiness and why do I do this so often? You will never grow in God. You gotta put on the breastplate of righteousness. You gotta put it on and keep it on. Because every whisper of failure, of sinner, of unworthy, of rejected, of being unloved, every issue that makes your heart feel tormented is a non-issue when the breastplate is over you. That's a non-issue when you know who you are. I'm righteous because his righteousness is in me. And the proof is I'm living it out more and more. I'm living it out. Not perfect, but growing and living in victory over sin. Here's the truth. What I used to like, I don't anymore. And what I thought I'd never like, I love. Isn't that weird? I'm a failure at sinning. I'm a failure. I used to be so good at it. Righteousness protects your heart from attacks. But it's a weapon too. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, by what? By living out love in truth and deed, we know that we are of the truth and shall shall assure our hearts before him. There's a confidence when you come before God. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. And he knows what the blood has done for us. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. Now, folks, confidence is a weapon. Confidence is a weapon. The breastplate, yes, it protects. It's a defensive things. But confidence is a weapon. Confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because, uh uh-oh, he linked it, because we keep his commands. So there's a link here between answered prayer and keeping his commands and do those those things that are pleasing in his sight. Answered prayer and obedience go hand in hand here. All right. But it's a weapon. It gives us confidence because we don't come any longer as a beggar in prayer. Without your breastplate, you'll come as a beggar. With your breastplate, you'll come in confidence in prayer before him. Because you know he hears. Confidence and boldness in prayer is a major weapon as we pray. 
Because I'm clean in Christ Jesus. I can ask. I can ask boldly. I can declare on earth. You get incredibly bold when you see this wonderful looking, shiny, strong breastplate on you. Those TV shows where people get shot and they're the stars. And you know what are they wearing? A bulletproof vest. Because they can't leave the show. And when you wear a breastplate of righteousness, you can get shot and get back up. You can take a blow and get up because it doesn't pierce. Nothing can pierce the breastplate of righteousness. No dart, no lie, no condemnation can pierce the breast. It's impenetrable. Ooh, that was a big word. Is that a word, Mayor? Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we're competent or confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competency comes from God. He's made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So let me close with a broken record, right? Knowing you are righteous helps you stay righteous. Walking in it. Knowing, knowing what you are helps you to live out what you are. If you think you're a sinner, you'll live that out. But if you know you're the righteousness of God, you'll live that out more and more. Yeah, I may have blown it, but I've repented. I'm clean. My breastplate blocks all condemnation, guilt, wallowing, and let me prove I'm a good Christian mentality. The breastplate blocks all that. It's a weapon that promotes more rightness. Knowing you are a sinner helps you stay sinning. It helps you stay sinning. But knowing you've been washed clean of all your sin helps you not want to go back in the muck or mire. Folks, well, I'm wearing jeans, but I had a tie on last week. All right. But I don't care. In, these are my good jeans. I would never open a hood of a car in this. I would never weed whack in this. When I have good clothes on, I don't get dirty. Or I do my best not to. And if I get something on, quickly get it off. Did you get the analogy? Did you get it? Did you get it? If you're clean, you quickly get it off. But if you're dirty, who cares if I get any more on me? If I'm dirty, I can get dirtier. No big deal. I'm dirty. But if I'm wearing the robes of Jesus Christ, man, I want to be careful with these. I want to keep these things clean and shiny. Now, if I get something on it, there's blood. There's blood. I can get it, put right on and get it off. Okay. But if I know what I'm clothed in, if I know the righteousness that I have in me, knowing you are clean makes you not want to go get dirty again. Knowing you are dirty. Oh, well, might as well get a little more dirty. Right? His righteousness and the price he paid for, it moves us to value the treasure that we have in this vessel. 
Never to cheapen or devalue this amazing gift to us by messing with sin or being soft on it. But by the way, you know whose sin you're supposed to be hard on? Your own. If your hand causes you, if your eye causes, if not yours, if mine, we're merciful to others, but we're ruthless in keeping these garments beautiful and clean. So, Put it on. You look a lot better when you're wearing it. You talk a lot better when you're wearing it. You feel better. You just feel good with that breastplate on you. You feel like you've been into one of those expensive stores. You ever been in one of those? When I was in college, I went into one of those at uh, North, uh, South Coast, South Coast Plaza. There was a store in there that had socks that were $70, shirts that were $200. Uh, uh, have you ever been to some of those, those shops in, um, what's that hotel in Vegas with the lights? I mean, the, the uh, Bellagio. Have you, ever, have you ever seen what they charge in there? Folks, those things are so expensive, but what Christ paid what Jesus paid for our cleansing is far greater than what you could ever pay for some shirt or tie or pants (laughs) Christ paid with his blood so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ suck away church just suck away just suck on, draw in the anointing. And you know what else you, with the breastplate of righteousness on? You do a lot better. You just do a lot better. I must have on the breastplate because I haven't arrived. I got to wear this thing because I haven't arrived. I've, I've blown it. I've done things. I, 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 I've stumbled in this. I sin in that area. Because I haven't, I gotta wear that thing. I gotta keep it on me. Because if I don't, I'll back away. I'll back away until I clean myself up. Dumb, I can't clean myself up. He does it. Because I come in confidence because I'm wearing this beautiful thing he provided for me. Did you guys get this? Did you get it? Did you get it good? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's stand. Oh, I feel sorry for that group. They don't have a fan on them. I feel sorry for the back. They have it on medium and we have it on high. But you guys paid good money for these seats, right? See? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the righteousness of God being given to us. Thank you that he who knew no sin became sin, that we could be clothed in your righteousness, that it would be imputed and assigned to our account in heaven, stamped righteous. Thank you for this incredible gift. 
God, help us to treasure, treasure these beautiful garments you put on us, to treasure this shiny golden breastplate that's over us that we would care for by the power of the Holy Spirit. That which was given to us, let it take over. Let it take over, God. Thank you, Lord, for the ability that comes through the grace and the power of the Spirit to walk out what you put inside of us. Thank you that, lo, we haven't arrived yet, but God, we're on a journey. We're forgetting what's behind and we're pressing and reaching towards the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. It's just good. Good, 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 good. So just in your mind's eye right now, Go ahead and lean over, pick up the breastplate of righteousness and put it on you. See it covering from your neck down to your stomach and covering your back. Just see it clothing you. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You've already got the belt of truth on. Just see it. You just added to the belt of truth today by understanding the righteousness of that's found in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So what are we going to put on next time? No, we did the belt. That's the truth. What's next? It's our feet. Okay. But next week, healing service. Friday, a day of prayer and fasting because we need greater breakthrough. All right. The Lord bless you. I don't blame him.